everybody. Welcome back to I Only Date Monsters, the podcast where queer theory meets queer thirst. I'm noted monster fucker Lunastopheles. And I'm voluntary monster fucker Hayden. I would hope you're not doing it involuntarily. That's a problem. Well, look. Someone's gotta do it, and it was time to sign up. I... I mean, I think many people want to do it. No one has to sign up. But... Yeah, welcome to another episode. This is going to be a real... I would say this is going to lean a lot more on the queer thirst side of things. I think so. I do think I have some, like, explicitly queer theory notes. Oh, as do I. But, <laughs> yeah, this is... This is, th- this is the topic where we sort of became friends around it, though, right? Absolutely. But before we get to that, how you been, Hayden? Hey, I've been... I've been doing alright. I've been thinking a lot about burnout and overexertion, because I noticed recently how much how much of my free time goes into weekly creative projects. Mm-hmm. But I've also been thinking a lot about, well what would I have to change or what can I cut to start doing more of those? Because that's the thing with creative projects. Once you actually get a habit of it, it gets a lot easier to keep doing it and you get more excited for more ideas. Mm-hmm. And like we we have a few episodes of another podcast idea recorded and we have tons of other ideas just between the two of us. God knows. I'd love to get into some of that at some point. So I've just been sort of like trying to manage my life a little bit better, but also figure out what changes I I might need to make now or down the line to make some of that more viable for me. Because, you know, you don't want to overexert yourself, but these are things I want to do. Absolutely. And so, hey, Maximum Fun, if you're listening right now, we're open. <laughs> Yeah. Please. (laughs) We have other ideas, too. Yeah, just wait. If this one's a little too horny for you. Uh, I don't know. I think they can deal with some horned. There are some very hard R podcasts on Maximum Fun. That is true. The Um, McElroys do at least one of them. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out which one specifically, but... I mean, I would just think my topic, my brother, my brother, and me tends to. It does. It does drift into. Lovingly jump right in there. Yeah. Real nasty boys. (laughs) Well, we can be nasty boys. Yes. So, hey, Lou, how are you? Ah. Stressed. Mostly stressed. Good, but stressed. I'm still in between jobs and trying to figure that shit out. Uh, I have plans. I have things in the works, but of course, that doesn't help when you also still need to pay some bills and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been there too. But I always make it work. I'll figure it out, and it's fine. Other than that, I don't know. This week's been okay. I've, I've not really been doing too much. Like I've been doing a lot of stuff around the house, but. 
I've definitely felt the crush of mental illness a bit more this past week. You don't need to express sympathy. I know you already have it. Just, it is what it is. And I've, I've been meeting myself where I am versus where I want to be on these days. And that's okay. That's fair. I think that's a lesson that I learned a little bit later in life. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes it's okay to feel shitty and that's not your entire future. Exactly. It is a thing that I definitely, even now, struggle with. Mostly because I want to be at that point where (laughs) this is not such a crippling issue for me. And I say crippling. I know people who have it far worse. But suffering is also not a competition. But there is definitely a certain element of when I feel that way, it just frustrates me that I am not feeling better, which really just puts you into a weird loop. But it's okay. I'm doing all right. Well, glad you're doing all right. Yes. Always hope you can be doing a little bit better, but... That's fair. I would be doing a lot better if there were, like, several queer orcs yes. near me. At all times. Well, I guess on that, let's let's just, on the topic of feeling better and wanting to do more, let's talk about orcs. Orcs, orcs, orcs. I want to do more of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, orcs are definitely one of the first things you and I, I don't want to say, like, connected on directly, but... No, we were, I mean... We were working in the same place for a while, and I mean, I'd identified you as a sort of cool person who also did creative and writing things, but also I'm a hyper introvert. (laughs) So I didn't make many approaches or connections based on that, but I I do remember one of the times we were talking, and I think we'd we'd already been talking before that, but I noticed the image on the back of your phone was an orc, and just commented on it, and it was, um, I don't know, I think that was a connection we made. Yes, it was a period of time where I was very proudly displaying my orc character. It's the one on our on our art right now and yes Hayden clocked that and that was the start of our friendship I also definitely at times when we were first interacting with each other at the job we both worked at I I definitely was like "Mm, he tripped something for me and I can't figure out what it is yet (laughs) well turns out turns out it was a few things but chief amongst them uh just a big love of those those big tusk boys. That's true. So, speaking of these big tusky boys, the reason I really wanted to talk about them, and this episode of Orcs is going to be us talking about them sort of in a more broad sense of the cultural arc of their story. Because I think they, they are a perfect example when we were pointing at monstrous, monstrous races that have been queered in some way, shape, or form. Because the the very first use of orcs were the Lord of the Rings. Yes. So their history isn't all that old compared to some of the other monsters we might talk about. 
Exactly. There are definitely bits of their history that are pulled from older pieces of folklore. Very clearly, orcs are influenced by things like trolls and goblins. Yes. Which are far older. And also, Tolkien, I, I believe Tolkien pulled his use of the word partially from Beowulf. So, the word orc has existed for a while. The, the, the thing we think of as an orc really started with Lord of the Rings. And it was not a terribly good beginning for our Tusky friends. Well, I think this is in part why we especially connect to them as queer people is because the story of the orc is the story of an entire race of people that is monolithically branded as evil mm-hmm. and whose story doesn't get explored. Definitely didn't for a long time. So if you are someone listening to this show who is not at least passingly familiar with Lord of the Rings, good job. <laughs> but in Lord of the Rings, orcs were described as having super pig-like features D&D went really hard with that and made them actual pig-headed people in D&D 1. Those old days. Yeah, but in Lord of the Rings, they are described more like having upturned noses and some other stuff that makes them look, quote-unquote, ugly. Man, yeah. Front-loading a lot of terms about physical description equaling pretty in this yeah. in this episode, like, more so than usual. Uh, just ins- insert air quotes as you see fit. <laughs> the whole idea of the orcs is that they are they're an ugly race of people is how they're described in the in the Lord of the Rings. One could even argue that they're not even described as people. They are often described as created creatures. Mm-hmm. In fact, like the movies just literally say that they are born from the earth itself. Which, I don't know, that sounds pretty fucking cool. I mean, that is that is badass, but... <laughs> right? So orcs are these incredibly dumb, incredibly warlike, cannibalistic even, creatures. And not just like, oh, they'll eat the flesh of men. There's references in Lord of the Rings that some orcs eat the flesh of other orcs. That they are just like the most feral... Well, if they're not using it anymore, it's just going to waste stuff. That's fair. Good orc flesh is hard to find. Uh, <laughs> Very nutritious. Ah, uh, full of protein. That's not the only part of the orc that's full of protein. What? <laughs> uh, so, I've been dancing around the most problematic part of these orcs. And this is a very important thing to say, especially with Tolkien. The orcs were also basically described as having dark burnt skin yeah we talked about this when we talked about lovecraft and i think tolkien is a better writer than lovecraft i will give you that but that does not mean he is not a product of his time and he is not he is a white guy he is a white guy and he came from Mm, is I'm not sure if this is 100% correct, but I believe we could technically lump him in with a lot of other people that were writing during the Lost Generation. I know he was in a club with C.S. Lewis who was in that that same time, so... But he was, like, antithetical to people like Hemingway, who, after war, 
became very bleak and i mean didn't become more misogynist that was just hemingway but (laughs) tolkien if i remember correctly basically after the first world war and then the second one decided that he wanted to write something that was almost a boon to the complex bleakness of the world wars i say complex one was far less complex but you know what i mean yeah so he wrote lord of the rings which was our bog standard modern high fantasy story i mean we we talk about how lord of the rings invented orcs but it kind of invented the contemporary fantasy genre yeah dude there's so many clones of the world he created and the ones that aren't are still compared against it because of the ways that they're different absolutely i mean of the multiple pages i have pulled up for this discussion one of them is tv tropes with an article called our orcs are different (laughs) yes which is apt because basically orcs up until the 90s i would say 80s 90s probably close to the 90s were just big evil lugs Except for, oddly enough, William Blake. (laughs) What did William Blake do? Well, William Blake was a poet. Mm -hmm. He is most famous for poems like The Tiger, which is Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright in the Forest of the Night. I don't remember the rest of it. That one I do recognize. Exactly. In his grand mythology, he had a character called Orc, who is basically a fallen angel and the embodiment of rebellion. Mm. which mm. perhaps we should we should look into that a little bit more sometimes he sounds real cool <laughs> embodiment of rebellion mm, you got me yeah orc is described by his mythic opponent albion's angel as the lover of wild rebellion and transgressor of god's law oh oh my my weak and gentle heart <laughs> He symbolizes the spirit of rebellion and freedom, which provoked the French Revolution. That's, I mean, that is great. (laughs) That's fantastic. This is a very good orc. This is just his name. This is not, like, orc in the way we think of. But the fact that it was even on the wiki orc page, I'm very into orc, (laughs) the super awesome rebellious fallen angel. The instigator of the French Rebellion. Yeah, the Ur-Orc. Like, hell yeah. Sounds good, honestly. (laughs) I am totally down for that. Other than that wonderful difference in what Orc the word means up until the 90s, for the most part, in any piece of high fantasy, Orcs were just big, dumb war machines. Yeah, and you, you see this in a lot of stuff that spreads out from those as well, is that they're the the really crazy and and kind of shitty thing about how orcs are treated in media is that even as there comes this sort of understanding that, well, a society can't be built around that purely, and they can't just be mindless animals, because that's not an interesting villain. Mm-hmm. But if they're not mindless animals, then you have to make them sentient. But if they're sentient, they can't all be evil. That's not the way freedom of choice works. Exactly. This is 
This is also something that I think about a lot in broader terms with specifically our D&D races. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Orcs and drow and all sorts of races that can only be one alignment or another has never clicked for me. Same. It always felt really weird, especially because D&D had space for super evil and super nice humans and super evil and super nice elves and super evil and super nice dwarves or whatever. But yeah. the minute, the minute the race doesn't look passingly like a human, <laughs> we have problems. I I haven't read 5th edition D&D, but... The... Way better about this. Well, from from the most recent that I've seen, and fifth edition may may have cleaned up a lot, but it always struck me as subtly horrifying within the lore of the world that orcs could only be this one evil alignment, mm-hmm. and yet you could still have half human, half orcs. The implications of that are awful. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is just a big problem in general, even for the quote-unquote revisionist orcs which is that orcs still unfortunately operate under a certain amount of this exoticism this othering in high fantasy media very specifically there is of course the very famous outlier of orcs in Shadowrun but Shadowrun is an outlier for a lot of reasons and we might need to devote at least one episode to Shadowrun by itself I I vote we do that. I also want to come back fuller to Shadowrun a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. We absolutely can. Absolutely can. But, yeah, so the revisionist orcs, and this is where I'm pulling from the TV Tropes page. Right. Is, they say, best embodied by Blizzard's orcs, which look... <sighs> <laughs> I love a I love a good thirst trap. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the major male orcs in Blizzard's games are thirst traps. They are Absolutely. big. They are big and beefy and <laughs> just they are definitely more the orc that I'm attracted to. Mm, yes. And fall into that wonderful realm of like metahumanness. That, again, I think Shadowrun gets at better. Yeah. But the problem with orcs, even in, like, revisionist styles, is that they still kind of pull at a different, really troubling trope to me, which is the noble savage trope. Yes. Because they are still viewed societally as the wild and untamed, less civilized, quote-unquote, society. Mm-hmm. Even if only by races that are not orcs. Because often, like, Warcraft does give the orcs very rich social lives. But. Well, yeah, it's just just the idea that they are different and therefore lesser. And the ones you meet who are not immediately viewed through that lens are supposed to be exceptions. Mm -hmm. um, And not the standard. Exactly. And even more than that. More than other races in fantasy stories, especially in this sort of space, orcs tend to have the thematic elements of being somewhat nomadic 
and somewhat still in the hunter-gatherer field of civilizations, which isn't inherently bad. There, Our world has many different groups of people and backgrounds that are nomadic. But with orcs, even in this revisionist version, it's this like, oh, the human has come to understand that orcs are good. It's a very dances with wolves kind of bullshit. Yes. Which... I don't terribly like either because it still says that orcs are not allowed to integrate into society from the writer's perspective. Right. Where people still have to like find out about orcs like, oh, they're actually good. Okay. All of us queer people live through the 90s and 2000s. We're done with that shit. (laughs) Can you just start with that maybe as your baseline? Yeah. Orcs are integrated in society because we don't need to have this mystical shaman only culture that lives out in the wilds and we have to understand (laughs) and this is also small sidebar to just high fantasy in general this is what still bothers me about high fantasy and why i find it very hard to read is it doesn't so little high fantasy that i have been exposed to at least explores a world where at some point people had to culturally progress at roughly the same time. That's... Let's dig into that, because that's something that's always really bugged me, too. Right. It, 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 it's, it's this idea that there are these wonderful, gleaming cities that humans and elves made. And even though orcs in revisionist spaces are still very intelligent, they are also still, like, refined to camps and and hutches and mm-hmm. they basically feel especially in the u.s like what people think native americans are like from about 80 years ago <laughs> right <laughs> the the weird thing is you especially see this with like elves especially mm-hmm. the the idea of this old race and because they're older, eh, um, they're they, better or something. They're, yeah, they're they're inherently just wiser and more beautiful, and their cities are of such splendor. But they're also one with nature. They also, for having these super intricate and well-designed cities, yes, elves don't seem to ever fucking lift anything. <laughs> and I'm not saying magic can't help with a lot, but also I've always found that my favorite elf interpretations are when you live forever at some point you've become super detached. <laughs> that that seems appropriate to a lot of uh a lot of depictions I've seen, really. I, I find that slightly more compelling. The the elves that like perhaps the really old ones made me realize, oh, perhaps we shouldn't live all this long and not go explore the world. But getting back to orcs, because they're hotter. Yes. Give me them tusks. So that is the thing about revisionist orcs. Holy shit. Some people were super horny for orcs. <laughs> because the arc of, well, like, a physical description of an orc has has changed to, has gone from muscular but lanky and feral scrapper yeah to total beefcake 
thick with four C's. Yeah. And you know what? I am saying this. This is entirely based in these sorts of pieces of media. There are tons of amazing artists online who draw orcs of all sorts of sizes and shapes. And that's great. Because again, queer folk have really taken orcs and run with them. In such a fantastic way to... There's an orc dating sim. It's called Tusks, which was created by Mitch Alexander, who is a Scottish queer game designer. His Twitter handle is at H-X-O-V-A-X. And what I love about Tusks is not only does it run the gamut of different visual genres of orcs, but also it's orcs of different body types and of different backgrounds, and we even have a differently abled orc in there too. And the attachment that queer people have to orcs, I'm sure I could point to a few different places where it started, but as you said, we as marginalized people look at this other group that has not only been marginalized, but been demonized from the very beginning by having this super one-note description and like, hey, there are multiple videos from back in the 50s basically saying that all queer people were child molesters. Yes, that is... That's a thing some people still say. Yep. And so it is not a terribly weird stretch for queer folk and people of color and even women, even though I feel like orcs have become a very sort of like male queer space, but not entirely. I don't want to just say it's one thing. I have noticed that, but I have seen some female artists who have spoken about their love of orcs mm-hmm. for much the same reason. There's a really good comic, and I wish I could find it, but you could probably search it and find it easily enough, but it's this woman who's talking about how she loves orcs. She loves them because they're large and beefy and great to cuddle, but she loves the tragedy of the orcs Mm -hmm. because they're always painted as the villains, and even when they're doing something against their will or even when they're trying to do the right thing, they're still viewed often through that lens in a lot of media and that makes them so much more sympathetic because they don't have a choice in whether or not they get to be the villain Mm -hmm. oftentimes but like that is incredibly true like that that as you say the tragedy of the orc is that it was made by straight white dudes to be a pat villain just someone you can just slaughter yes And over time, more people read stuff with orcs, and more people were not straight white dudes, and they went, hold on a fucking second. And that's like the broad way that a lot of these characters and these creatures get queered in one way or another, is just other people going, hmm, this feels shady. Yeah. (laughs) I feel called out, and I don't like it. But I like that you brought up a creator who is a woman. Because one of my biggest problems with the way orcs, both in media and some artists, uh, how they depict them, is we have these big, wonderful, beefcake orc dudes. And in a lot of places, basically... Skinny boob orc faves? Yeah, like a skinny, boobed orc woman. And 
that's not really how sexual dimorphism works in most <laughs> cases. I'm not saying there are not outliers. I understand that the male anglerfish is very tiny and just attaches himself to the female anglerfish, but that's the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> I always prefer the depictions of orc ladies that are just as big and beefy as the men, frankly. Exactly, and I think that there is... And I think that makes more sense. Not only does it make more sense, the sorts of backgrounds that you could still claim orcs are being pulled from, not specifically like orcs are just one human subset, but like orcs are pulling from sort of your steppes and plains nomadic peoples, but also anyone who has a, a culture that is more closely related to a mixture of society and the land. A lot of those don't have the same levels of patriarchy. And in fact, quite often, patriarchal societies happen after they become agrarian. Because at that point, you have to hold the power of the food source. Well, it's like what you were talking about earlier with the allusion to the noble savage. Mm -hmm. Is sort of tied up in that stereotype. The ideas around that are very patriarchal. Absolutely. Uh, often in and all. All I can think of are specific examples that make me sound horrible for knowing them. So. I mean, you can look at any movie that engages in the sort of white savior story to see how we have portrayed any indigenous people ever. Pocahontas, a movie oh. we, we probably won't talk about in full because there is no villain or monster there that I would want. No, and also in general, that's a, that's a fucking, uh, yeah. But that that movie does a very strong job of engaging, not engaging with this idea, but with presenting it straightforward without a lot of critique, mm -hmm. where the male Native Americans are portrayed as more more violent and aggressive, and then uh, Pocahontas is this gentle feminine figure who just exists to show the white man how beautiful nature is. Yes. And that fixes everything. And what's more, when we actually get a moment where maybe the movie's going to explore the necessity of feeling angry about some of these things, the movie Pocahontas gets a song that basically paints the anger of the colonists and the anger of the indigenous people as equally bad. It's not, it's like, it's one of the worst things Disney's done. And that's saying a lot. They also did Dumbo. Disney's done, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they remade that. I know. Tim Burton doing it, which is just like, I have lots of feelings on Tim Burton these days, and they're not very good. Uh, even though I have good feelings of the nostalgia of Tim Burton, so don't worry. <laughs> but, like, again, you said, like, Pocahontas, but also Dances with Wolves does the same thing, where it's dudes interacting with dudes, and the women are there to just basically show that, ah, yes, we also have children. Which is like, it's shitty in so many ways, because it entirely removes the agency of all women in an entire group of people, which is extra bad. It's not just normal bad, it's extra bad. It's extra bad, and it's not frequently even accurate to how those societies actually performed. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm not going to say they're 
no patriarchal societies that were depicted this way, but there are also a lot more where women held equal roles or it was a matriarchal society. Absolutely. Especially when you were doing hunter-gathering. And again, this is a long time ago when Earth was a primarily hunter-gatherer society, and there are still hunter-gatherer societies out there, and that's awesome. Diversity is great. A lot of hunter-gatherer societies tend to not have as strong gender dimorphic lines. Not saying that they don't exist at all, because societies. Societies. But when your entire existence is based on going out, getting the things, and preparing them, everyone has to work together. (laughs) Yeah. And quite often, that's how you get a lot of groups that did have matriarchal societies or a good mixture of masculine and feminine leaders. And that's a that's a thing I wish I would see more with orc stuff, specifically fantasy orc stuff, because, again, we often just see the big brutish dudes, which, again, the big brutish dudes can find their way to my bedroom. <laughs> I'm not saying get rid of them. I'm just saying I'd like some lady orcs as well. Absolutely. They can also find their way to my bedroom. <laughs> Same. I'm I'm into someone that has thighs that could crush a watermelon. Doesn't matter what else is going on with their body. I'm just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Come yeah, on. <laughs> absolutely. Let's make this work. I like thinking about how there would be different affection for a race that has tusks. Not in the sense of you'd have to work around them, but like, I bet there's a concept of just like touching tusks to one another as some weird intimate, (laughs) intimate show of respect or something. I could see that. It was just cute. That's all. I don't know why. You don't Uh, know why what? I, I don't know why, but tusks, just tusks. There is something really wonderful about a spiky face of any sort <laughs> tusks saber teeth just general jagged tooths poking out horns spikes it's visually distinct and visually interesting i agree and also um, I, it does give them all very strong jaws <laughs> and i do like true. a good square jaw i can't help what i like <laughs> I, I think we are in solid agreement on this just it, uh, mm. I've just been staring at the picture of fucking Thrall from Warcraft for a while. <laughs> it's just on the TV tropes page where I'm like, yeah, he can fucking get it. <laughs> he, can, I mean, like, oh god, they are just. There is also something about any race, any like group of fantasy or sci-fi creatures that have different skin colors that I like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm also not sure what that is, but, like, the green can get it. The green can get it. I've seen orcs in every color of the rainbow at this point. I think of the same thing with, like, aliens that have different skin colors. I'm like, ooh, okay. How we doing over there, Mr. Blue? (laughs) Wanna, just wanna try something new. It's just, it's, I, you know what? A friend of mine, who is also a big orc fan, uh, once... Is it me? No, but you are also a big (laughs) orc fan. No, this is my friend Eros. And I was talking with them about 
specifically about being attracted to things that don't seem like they should inherently have an attraction element to them. For instance, sentient suits of armor. Right, right. And what he responded with is one of my, like, favorite things I've ever heard, which is 90s cartoons taught us to be more attracted to aesthetics than sexual viability. Wow. <laughs> That's such a fool. Oh. Right? What a what a take, but I love it. We gotta talk about a 90s cartoon to dig into that. We absolutely will. There are many, but... There are many. It's... Um, I do wanna... Go ahead. Yeah, I wanna, before we move on too much, uh, since I think we're we're getting close to the end of the, the mm-hmm. bigger segment, uh, talk about Shadowrun Orcs. Just yes. a little bit. Go ahead. So, one thing Shadowrun does is... It's based about 50 years in the future, give or take. And the concept is that basically a fantasy world was overlaid on top of an existing technological world. So at some point in... Actually, it may be in, like, the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, good. We're getting orcs soon? We're getting orcs soon. <laughs> soon. Soon. Thank God. Hold, hold your breath. People started getting, like, magic and spirits started becoming a thing and this is all alongside cyberpunk technology and then one night over like the entire world 20 percent of people i should have researched more before i was going to talk about this just become orcs and trolls Um, oh shit oh shit where do i sign up which is supposedly very painful and also you can understand terribly confusing and across the world a lot of people's entire face has changed their entire body has changed which is a lot but it does build on the idea that these are people who have come from the same place as everyone else mm-hmm. diverse across geography across social status across wealth all of that and people from all of these groups have become orcs and trolls and they all still kind of get the Tolkien treatment. They are seen fairly commonly as, like, these big, brutish types of people. One thing that the core lore of the story, of the the game, is that that's just society. Like, society is saying that. The orcs and the trolls are not saying that. Right. It is... Which isn't a perfect... It's not like a perfect happy thing where everything is integrated, but I do think it's a really interesting and honest take on what might actually happen, and it leaves a lot more room for deconstructing why things are like that, or having characters who either embrace or fight against those roles for their own reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, what I've always really enjoyed about Shadowrun is a setting is it doesn't deny the fact that society tends to be rather racist. Yeah. <laughs> and so even when it you can owns that. Even when you have a whole group of people that can point to the fact that hey, hey, nothing changed about me except the fact that one day I woke up and this was this. They are still othered because we always want to pick a villain. We always want to pick someone that doesn't look right and quote-unquote oh sorry doesn't look right (laughs) heavy air quotes 
And even though nothing has changed about those people between the night they went to bed and the day they woke up and they had a fucking horny Kafka-esque nightmare. (laughs) Horny in multiple senses. Truthfully. They are still castigated and they are still made to be othered because one of the easiest ways that society has ever chosen to other people is by physical attributes. Yep. Fucking sucks. <laughs> it's it's real bad. It's very bad. So yeah, I, I think that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a nice little touch on orcs just broadly. Orcs are a very complicated topic because of how much change they have gone through in just I would say the past twenty to thirty years. Yes. And especially once there were more people that could just create their own stuff online. And I think we're starting to see that with a lot of other groups, even ones that aren't inherently maligned. I really enjoy the fact that D&D, in like a lore expansion for 5th edition, basically were like, all elves are genderqueer and can change their secondary (laughs) sexual characteristics once a day. Orcs really suffer from the the race of hats problem that mm-hmm. is big in a lot of fantasy and in a lot of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Star Trek's really bad about this. Oh, I mean, TV we could tro- talk about the Ferengi. Yes. Also, TV tropes uh, talks about revisionist orcs sometimes being described as green Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> That's not inaccurate. Not inaccurate. Um, also, a group worth talking about at some point. We can get into that too. We'll have to get a Star Trek person on. I think there is an instinct among creators, especially creators from minority communities like the queer community, to see things depicted as like a race of hats, which is basically just this idea that everyone in this race has all of these exact same characteristics, mm-hmm. and say, no, that's that's not how our community works. Why is that <laughs> how that community should work? That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Exactly. <laughs> and I just I just love that we're getting more and more complex and interesting portrayals of these things. Indeed. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about about orcs? No, not off the top of my head. Alright, well, I had some very wild news that I wanted to share then. Share it. So this is an article from the New York Times at the end of August. August 29th, I think. The paper of record, the Grey Lady. I, I think I also saw this in a few other places, but this was the first one where I, I grabbed a screenshot. Uh-huh. And the title of the article is Babies Display Werewolf Syndrome After Getting Anti-Baldness Drug by Mistake. Good. So... <laughs> well, okay, well, so... Th- this. This is good because it it was a mistake, and it could have been bad, but the symptoms are not that severe. It's a bunch of really hairy babies. <laughs> Which, um, you know, the, I want to pause, I want to say right here yeah. that there is, in fact, a medical condition that causes hair to grow very thickly over a human's entire body. Yes. But the idea of just 
well, shit, I, we didn't mean to give the babies anti-balding drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's the it's the pure sitcom level of ineptitude that this had to happen with, right? Yeah, this this is a story that happened in France, and most of the babies, from my understanding, after they realized the mistake, which it's a pretty hard mistake to miss. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I see... Uh, most of the babies are are back to normal. I at the time I was reading this report, which is over two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. There was one who was still very hairy, but uh, I just <laughs> they they talk about how they were very lucky because it could have been a mistake where the symptoms were worse but less noticeable. Yes, and so obviously very glad that's not what happened. Absolutely. Someone should get in trouble for messing up the medication that they gave to babies. But the outcome being so just, in a weird way, wholesome. (laughs) The outcome is hilarious. I can't help but laugh at it. Right. It's like, it's that thing where when when your friend, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I had a lot of people in my life who, if someone fell or like did something that like visually could be very funny. It was always first, are you okay? And the minute they said yes, the immediate burst into laughter. <laughs> yes, that's not, I won't name any names, but there are people at my office, more than one, who have fallen out of a chair. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and that was the reaction, just like, are you okay? And then just kind of like drag them for, for the next couple of days about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a point when I was working in hotels where one of my coworkers was sitting in a chair and I guess the chair knocked into a closed umbrella that was next to her and it hit the automatic open button. (laughs) (laughs) And so all of a sudden she's being attacked by this umbrella as it slowly opens against her. (laughs) That's fantastic. And at first like, are you okay? Because I didn't know if it had like poked her or something. It was opening very quickly. (laughs) And when she was like, yes, I was like, that was the funniest goddamn thing. (laughs) It was, it was so, uh, sometimes the dumb mistakes of the universe are worth laughing about. Yes. And I, I I really enjoy the nurses and doctors coming into the NICU or the, or, 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 you know, or the, just the general like natal ward. I, I think and being like, ah, were... oh, there's Gavroche, and ah, oh, it looks like Marie is doing well, and oh, mon dieu, why is there a bush? <laughs> Where is little Pierre? <laughs> oh, it is little Pierre. <laughs> oh, that, that's all. It's just, it's just a, a, a wonderful it's little gem of a story, and I'm glad that all the babies are okay. little visual image and yes the the babies are fine yes that is the most that is the first and foremost most important thing is that no one was actually hurt (laughs) yes i would i would not be bringing i probably wouldn't be bringing this up in this segment if i didn't the babies were hurt (laughs) i i wouldn't think so i would question our continued friendship but like we're on the same page here hairy babies just very funny inherently (laughs) accidentally hairy babies <laughs> that's the right. that's the whew. well i think 
I think that's going to do it for us this week. Oh, um, oh, one more point of order, one more point of business. Yeah, go for it. What's on the gay agenda for next week? Next week on the gay agenda, uh-huh. I would like to talk about Godzilla. Oh, I have some friends that are going to be very excited about this. <laughs> I, it's it's been a while. I want to talk about the the original film. Okay, um, and it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm excited to revisit it. I've actually never seen the very very original Godzilla film. I've seen a lot of other Godzilla films, good and bad, <laughs> but I have never actually sat down and watched the original. So this will be a really good uh, revisiting of the classics for me. Right. And I don't know that he's the fearest of monsters, but I really want to talk about him. And I really want to talk about a lot of the the sort of metaphor around Godzilla, which I am concerned has been muddled a little bit in more recent remakes. It has. And there's definitely a, a thing to talk about there with the way Godzilla diverged in Japanese cinema in the 60s. Yes. But also, Hayden. Yes. Yes, Lou. I'm going to talk about Macro. Of course you are. <laughs> All right, I'm ready for that. Good. Well, if you're ready to talk about Macro, you can talk to us either on Twitter or Mastodon. On Twitter, you can find us at IODM Podcasts. And on Mastodon, you can find us at I Only Date Monsters at monsterpit.net. You can also find me on Twitter and Mastodon. On Twitter, I am at Lunastopheles. And on Mastodon, I am at Lunastopheles at Sound Online. And Hayden is not on social media. And that's okay. That is okay. But Hayden does check our email. So yeah, if you want to talk about macro really bad, but you don't want your Twitter followers to see you talking about macro, you can, you can always email us at I only date monsters at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me, you can set several candles in a semicircle around yourself, light all of them, and chant the ancient words. You know what they are. Absolutely, I know what they are. You use them to summon me quite frequently. I do. And it's and it's just um Flat Earth Can't Melt Steel Beams. God, fuck. <laughs>